0: You're listening to the Creatively Connected Classroom Podcast, episode number 37.
1: Welcome to the Creatively Connected Podcast from Education Closet, connecting teachers and ideas one glue stick at a time. Here's your hosts and K-12 Art Chat founders, Matt and Laura Grundler.
2: Everybody, this is Matt and Laura Grunler, and welcome to another episode of the Creatively Connected Classroom, and we are with another amazing host. Well, they're all amazing. They right? are. But, I,
0: you know, I love, I love our, our, our guests because they're, I feel like they're good friends of ours, and we mm-hmm. always get to learn such amazing things from them. But um, welcome, Trevor Trevor Bryan. Brian. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad it finally uh, came together.
0: We are very excited to have you. We've been fans of yours for such a long time. Likewise. Uh, and we were super excited that you released your first book this year. The so, Art of
1: Comprehension.
2: The
0: Art of Comprehension. Super exciting. And we, we would love it if you could just start by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, your educational background, and your Kind of where you are and yeah. all that.
1: So. Yeah. So I, I've been an art educator for uh, 20 years. And uh, I went into art education with the mission of trying to bring the arts into the academic arena. And so that's kind of where I started. And I realized very quickly that I didn't necessarily have the tools to discuss art the way that I wanted to with my students and colleagues. With people who didn't have necessarily the art background that I did or the art training that I did. And so that sort of quickly became my second mission. And I had a really great experience with the arts growing up. I grew up 20 minutes outside of New York city. So I saw lots of museum shows. Um, I saw Broadway shows. I uh, was uh, in high school. We went to the Shakespearean theater at Drew university where my brother went. So I saw lots of Shakespeare, but I just had this like, it was almost instinctual that the arts could play a larger role in education. I thought they were underutilized. I thought there was like a real power in the, in my art education that just wasn't kind of recognized or seen in the academic aspect of schools, and so that was kind of my mission going in. but like i said i I hit some a little bit of a of a brick wall in terms of my ability to discuss art the way that I wanted to. And so I went on a mission to find a better way of talking about art and discussing art with people who didn't have the background that I did, or a lot of my art major friends did. And um, that's kind of where I wound up with the Art of Comprehension. So, you know, about 10 years into my career, I started working on what became the Art of Comprehension, which came out in 2019. I started doing that work around 2010 uh, with two colleagues, Justin Dulce and uh, Donna Donner, who were two ELA teachers. And we kind of found a way that not only allowed me to bring arts into the ELA classroom in a really meaningful, efficient, effective manner, but it also produced just wonderful conversations about art. So part of the whole thing with this book and with this project was really just help. It allowed me to bring the joy that the arts brought to my life and to share that with my students and with my colleagues who didn't have the experience I did. Wow.
0: that's, that's made of warm fuzzies. Um, it does. It, well, you know, clearly we believe in arts integration and the power of the arts to impact learning, not just in the art room. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you've also taught English as well as art or no?
1: No, I, uh, I didn't. So when I was going into teaching, I did consider being an English teacher and I, I was really comfortable with ELA. In that aspect of it, but I never taught it. I actually studied when I graduated college as an art major. I studied at Bank Street College of Education to become a regular ed teacher, a classroom teacher. Yeah. And I just quickly realized after a year of that, I missed the art room. I missed the environment. Yeah. I really just, I loved the way the art room functioned and the feel of it and what was happening in it. And I also realized that as a regular education teacher, I just wasn't going to have the time to bring the arts in the way that I imagined. So I, went, I ultimately just decided to go back to the art room.
0: So how did you foster? I mean, so from my perspective, sometimes, and I feel like a lot of the teachers I work with feel like it's almost hard as the art educator to break in to yeah. the regular ed classroom or the English classroom or the science or social studies classroom. Right. How do you feel you fostered that relationship to make those connections?
1: So the first thing, I was really fortunate to have colleagues that were receptive and open. So just to back up, when I was in sixth grade, I was probably one of the first students in New Jersey to go through the writer's workshop. That had just come into play around 86, 87. Uh, Lucy Calkins took over Teachers College. There's a woman who is was good friends with my mom's best friend who brought that program into my, our school's district, Glen Rock. So she w- went through the program with like Ralph Fletcher, who is an icon in Writer's Workshop. And as a writer, I'm going to be presenting with him, hopefully at the NCTE conference coming up in, in oh, wow. 2019. So it's like a awesome. nice full, yeah, like a, yeah. a full circle moment for me. So <laughs> we're going to be presenting. So we haven't presented. So hopefully everything still works out, but we've been accepted and all that. So that's like a super nice full circle moment for me. So I was pretty comfortable with ELA, like I was pretty familiar with ELA going in. And then I, I just happened to be working with two colleagues who were receptive to the ideas. Donna Donner taught an inclusion class. And so that's where I started. I wound up in a reading comprehension workshop. So going back to like my second mission of trying to find a better conversation about art, when I was in that workshop, the reading comprehension skills, the way that they were trying to get kids to talk about books and the methods that they had for that using reading comprehension skills, I was like, this sounds an awful lot like the mm-hmm. conversations that I have with my painting friends and my art friends. And so I really, you know, I kind of thought like we could, oh, we could definitely teach reading comprehension skills through artwork. And I luckily found colleagues that were kind of open to that and we tried it and it worked. And I think they saw the value right away because we through the visual text through discussing artwork, we were able to get kids who normally didn't participate in the conversation. So we were hearing voices that you know, weren't being heard. Kids were raising their hands who didn't raise their hand. We were getting the whole class community vested in the conversation. And I think that the teachers that I was working with saw that value. And it actually, they were able to push their conversations further through this approach. So not, they were talking about topics that were difficult topics to talk about in their Mm -hmm. classrooms because we based it on art, which was more accessible. Mm -hmm. And because the art of comprehension provided like a, a structured conversation that was accessible to everybody, it allowed us to have really robust strong conversations in those classrooms.
2: Awesome. That makes me often wonder because I know I made a really strong connection with one of the ELA teachers at my campus. Why do you feel that the connection is so strong between the art classrooms and the and especially ELA? They just seem to fit
1: so well. So Yeah. So in my mind all of it is just art. Right? Mm-hmm. So books are works of art and yeah. if you just right so that we have we have plays we have movies we have fine arts we have songs right music and then we have books and for some reason over time or the ELA and books have kind of gotten separated out of the pack Mm -hmm. right but really books are an art form and writers are artists and when we are reading books especially literature we are art appreciators and if you just look at it That way, it's all the same stuff. And that's why I feel comfortable in the ELA world is because it's all the same, right? And what I really believe the arts are are just a way for us to kind of comprehend and explore our human experience. And uh, books do that. Artwork does that. Movies does that. Plays do that. Songs do that. Music without lyrics does that. Poetry does that. Essays do that. Articles do that. And so when you start, I think when you start looking at it that way, it makes sense that all this stuff would fit together really easily.
2: Awesome. Your first question that you started out with during the chat was something so simple: was to have the kids write down as much when they're looking at a piece of art to write down as many different things that they see or that they yep. can put their finger on. Why yeah. do you feel that that's so strong? Why do you think that's the
0: starting place? The start a
1: good starting place. So, from an ELA position, that's just decoding the picture. And if we were to give kids a paragraph to read, we would want them to read every word. Before they really started talking about it, right? You have to gather all the information. So that's one way to look at it. Is it's just a simple decoding that we want to take in all the information that the artist provided us. Just like we want to take in all the information that the writer provided us. You can't just pick out a few words and think you have the meaning, right? Mm -hmm. Because you might be missing a really important word that might change, that might flip the whole thing on its head. So that's that's one aspect of it is just training kids. To slow down and look, and I think that's an important skill. Mm-hmm. Observation, right? That's a common art practice. The, the other reason why that's exa- that's so important is because it allows every child to participate. So when I say, you know, I see black or I see green, and I, you know, or I see a hand or a finger or an eye, and I turn to my the student who's has the the least amount of confidence, and I say, "What do you see?" and they say right? Do you see any colors? It allows them to come up with a a correct answer in public. And Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of our striving students, they don't get a lot of opportunities to provide a correct answer in public. So like at a very, at a very simple level, that's what that allows that kid to do. It allows that kid to enter into the classroom community and be part of the community, right? And be seen by by his or her peers as part of that community. And I think that's a really important Aspect of education is bringing everyone into the mix. It also helps in that same vein if you have ELL students by pointing out right hand, dress, black, blue. It helps develop language for everybody, right? So there's a lot of there's as simple as that thing, as simple as that first step is, that practice is. I think there's it goes a long way, and I think in education sometimes we just have a tendency to skip over those like really small victories. And as mm-hmm. we all know, the small victories are sometimes the biggest victories. The biggest ones. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah.
2: So
0: why is mood such an important component to the art of comprehension?
1: Yeah. So from a humanistic point of view, I think all of our interactions are based on moods. Every decision we make is based on mood. We tell ourselves stories constantly, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to go on tomorrow and y- right? Tomorrow's either going to be a great day or a hard day or a scary day or a difficult day. And I have this class coming in and oh my gosh, I feel so nervous, right? So all of everything we do is functions around mood, right? And that's what the arts are. Every artwork is based around that because our human existence is based around how we feel about certain things, how Mm -hmm. we respond to people, how we think about situations, And so mood becomes a really simple way for everybody to kind of engage with an artwork because we all understand moods. Even little kids understand moods. And so it becomes a really simple entry point. But Mm -hmm. I really, I truly believe after doing this for so many years that every artwork that I look at, whether it's a painting or a play or a movie or a TV show, or even just thinking about my own life, the most significant moments are, are swathed in mood. That's how we operate as humans. And that's, at the very basis, I think that's what art does, is it helps us to kind of explore and comprehend the moods that we feel and the moods that we experience. I think it
2: also helps people to kind of understand each other better because yeah. they have something they can connect with and go, oh, yeah, yesterday my day was really bad, and I know that your day is really bad. So... You know, or I understand where you're coming if from. If I'm reading
0: a book or I'm looking at a work mm-hmm. of art, I can empathize with the character or the person in the painting or, you know, and say, I know what it feels like to be sad or, yep. you know,
1: to be made fun you know, of. To or be made or to, fun of yeah. or,
0: you know. Yeah.
1: I, I just think when you look at these like national moments of tragedy, mm-hmm. right? What do we do? We like, we come together, we sing songs. We create light candles, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a visual experience. Mm-hmm. We put down flowers, which are right symbols of love and hope. Yes. We have all these like these basically art artistic actions. So I, I really believe that like one of the functions of the arts is that it fosters joy and connection even when times or topics are difficult. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That we like who is sad songs say so much, who's the um <laughs> right? The piano player. It's Elton uh, John. Elton John, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Well, but Candle like, in
0: the Wind. I mean, yeah, like right. there's so many, yeah. like, if you want exactly. to go to Elton John, right. there's a lot of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. And it's what Matt was talking about, that, like, there's this connection, yeah. right? An artist oftentimes can put our emotions into some kind, kind, of, kind of accessible, concrete symbol system, whether it's an mm-hmm. artwork or a song or a poem. And because they've they've stated it and shared it, right, as a gift Mm -hmm. to all of us. It helps us to kind of come together and process our emotions and process our experience. And I I just fundamentally believe that's what the arts do. They just foster joy and connection, especially in those like really difficult moments. And we see it play out over and over and over again, if you look for it. Well,
0: even in just something you said earlier about about having difficult conversations, it was working on a Carrie James Marshall work of art and I can't remember the title of it, but it's it's an African American police officer. And I thought the person that I was working on the curriculum with said, you know, is this something that is okay to present in the classroom? And I said, Well, why not? Because to me, it engages the high school students in a conversation that is a difficult thing right. going on in our society right now. Yeah. You know, to be an African American police officer in a very contentious, yep. you know, there's just a lot. Just seeing that, it's, there's a lot of, of questions and curiosity about how does that police officer feel? How, how are they respected in their community? How are they respected as a police officer in that community? You know, there's a lot of great conversation that could be really moving and, and help the community move forward. Yeah. If we have those conversations. But even in that, though, there's, it's difficult. I mean, those are difficult conversations.
1: Yeah, but the, the, the artwork at least provides like a, a, a launching pad for those mm-hmm. conversations. Because if you took away the artwork, what do you talk about? It's really hard to get a conversation going without right. a shared experience, right? And without some common ground. I use Peter Reynolds' artwork all the time, right? And a yeah. lot of listeners are probably familiar with the dot. And when we look at Vashti on that first page, right, she has her back turned towards a blank page. And a lot of times with my students, we talk about that blank page as what's your blank page because we all have things that we turn our back on that are difficult, Mm -hmm. that are hard for us. So that very simple illustration becomes a launching pad for some really serious conversations Mm -hmm. um, because your blank page could be as difficult, as simple as like, I'm not good at math and I don't want to do my math homework Mm -hmm. or like, I know my best friend has a real problem. You know, not so much in elementary school, but we have these like real issues that, that can be a launching pad because everyone's blank page is different. And at least when we share it that way, everyone knows what a blank page is and what we're talking about. So when someone shares something that's a little bit more personal, we understand where they're coming from. And then yeah. that story kind of shows us when we turn and face our blank page, we can help others to turn and face their blank page. Right. And so it's like,
0: courageous. Yeah. Right.
1: That's a re- like, I mean, as simple as that book is like, that is like such a great message to share with kids and such a great message to share with adults and colleagues.
0: Yes. And so again, <laughs> it's,
1: it's right. Peter, as an artist, as a writer, he kind of creates a very simple story, which if we kind of foster good viewing skills and good discussion skills around these very simple artworks, we can have a really profound change on people's lives. Couldn't yeah.
0: agree more. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> clearly we're fans of Peter oh, yeah, too. I, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm my choir. <laughs> well, well, and I was just sitting here thinking about his new book say something and yep. and empowering children to say something and I think that that's what your practice of the art of comprehension really does is it empowers students to have an opinion, to develop an understanding of how to express that opinion yep. and um, have it be validated.
1: Yeah, I think, um, so like Rich Rich Chiz, who mm-hmm. wrote Four O'Clock Faculty, and we co-founded the Four O'Clock Faculty blog, I think what one of the things that bound Rich and I when we started teaching together 16 years ago was just this idea, and we weren't, we didn't know how to say it 16 years ago, and we didn't know what we were doing 16 years ago. But this idea that we're really trying to help students to find their voices and share their voices is like I think that is the very basis. And I think that's what ties me to like uh, Peter Reynolds' work as well is just this very simple notion of trying to find ways that students can access their voices and share those voices. And I've been teaching 20 years, I don't think I'm Particularly good at that mission in a lot of ways, (laughs) but like that's the mission I'm on, and that's what I believe in, and that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to get better at is coming up with ways that you know that I can help students to share their voices, and it's not even students. I think it reaches colleagues, right? It's adults. It's Mm -hmm. um, I think we need more voices, and it's sort of been a lot of my teaching is impacted by my like my own inability to share my voice, and so really searching over the last twenty years to find my voice and what my mission is. And going through that process and, and really thinking about it, I hope it's helped me to help other people to find their voices.
3: Hi there. This is Susan Riley, founder of Education Closet. If you love these conversations with Team Grundler and friends, please be sure to check out K12 Art Chat on Twitter. The chat is held every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Central, and it's a great way to continue the conversation. Just go to Twitter.com and search hashtag K12 artchat we look forward to chatting with you over there soon. Now let's head back to the show.
0: We had an off, off recording conversation about that very thing. I think, I think as, as we grow as from student to adult, and we're, hopefully we're continuing to learn and search for that mission. But I do love that you're talking about allowing the colleagues and the adults to find their voice too, because yeah. I think that that is something that we really need to empower all adults to do. I yep. happen to be a big fan of Brene Brown. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Matt yeah. laughs at me. Um, she's <laughs> a fellow cool. Texan. No, she's um she's awesome. but, yeah, she's amazing. And just I'm reading Dare to Lead right now and just thinking about if we were all empowered to share our mission and be clear, you know, she says clear is kind. Yeah. I think that we would move forward as educators in a in a more meaningful way. But sometimes yeah. we hold back and when we shouldn't.
1: Yeah, I I totally think from like a creative standpoint, that's because traditionally my art, my education experience was that we're focused on good. Mm -hmm. And when we focus on good, it's very limited. It's very known. And my mantra is from an art education standpoint is like, I'm not that interested in good. I'm interested in interesting. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Right. I want to I want people to explore what's what interests them. And at at first, the reality is you're not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. at sharing that interest and you have to really learn how to share that interest and that takes time but in education where we have we have rubrics and grades we, mm-hmm. we are always judging whether things are good yeah yeah Just to go back to peter reynolds for a minute like the story of the dot as i understand it or one of the stories one of the the starting points of the dot was he was when he decided to be an illustrator he decided to draw every night and one night he fell asleep while well, he was sketching in his sketchbook, and the marker stuck to the page, <laughs> he created yeah. a dot. Yep. If he showed that drawing to anybody and was like, "Look at this great drawing I did," <laughs> no one would consider no. it a great drawing, right. right? And it wasn't that Peter thought that the drawing was good, but there was something interesting about it. And yeah. from that, from that moment, he was able to kind of explore that idea whatever kind of caught his eye or caught his attention and then create something out of that. And, um, if he was just focused on good, he would have just crumbled up that piece of paper and basically said, Oh, I wasted a piece of paper. Right. And thrown yeah. it away. Yeah. And that's not how creative things generally happen because creative things are new and unfamiliar. And when things are unfamiliar, they don't look usually very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean yeah, I was
0: just sitting here thinking about, sorry, no, go all the artists go that, you know, yeah. Yeah, i mean so many artists that were pretty much all of them that the you know appra- were, were, <laughs> pretty I mean, I'm like, appra- pretty much appra- all of them <laughs> were not good yeah. when they started you know yeah. the, the, the big joke is like you don't become famous till after you're dead or whatever but <laughs> right yep which is not true but uh um, right. you know anytime you try something outside the box it's it's not yeah. good yeah um, but innovation doesn't have to be good yeah. it has to be interesting and new
1: yep one right. of the things that's so that's impacted me so greatly is so i have a friend his his um artist name is momo so he's a he's a professional artist and he was a street artist back in the 90s and he makes his living painting murals all over the world but i was best friends with him in 3rd 4th 5th he moved and 6th he moved on the first day of 7th grade but we we're we were like best friends so i i got to experience what like he's a very successful artist if you know the life water bottles, he was the first artist on the life water bottles. Oh, yeah. So I got to paint at the Facebook headquarters in New York. We did a mural together. I got to paint with him. What was so it was so amazing about Mobo is that when, when I was when he was eight and nine, if he was interested in something, he just went after it like nobody else. I'd always just show up at his house and he would always have a project going. We'd make videos, we made bow and arrows, we carved wooden boats, we like whatever he was interested in. He just explored it to no end. We built crazy forts. We had bamboo mazes. We had all kinds of stuff going on. And he could draw like no one else. But when his career sort of started to take hold a little bit was he got interested in street art, which was a little bit more abstract, but it was a way of like that masons used to kind of out to create buildings and stuff, Mm -hmm. applied geometry, maybe that's what it's called. But he got interested in applied geometry or whatever the phrase is. And he just explored it. And that's how he, like, started creating his abstract work off of, of this geometric theory. And he's made his own tools. And that's really, right, so it was just completely, a, it was all exploration. And, you know, another artist that I, he knows is Swoon, who's a super successful artist. And so much of her work is just about getting an idea and running with it and doing these crazy things that you, you wouldn't even imagine are, are possible, and they pull it off. And at the root of their work, it's just kind of this like exploration about what they're interested in and seeing if they can do it. And I feel like that's just, that is what's so important about any artist, right? Any writer. J.K. Rowling didn't know Harry Potter was going to be successful. She was actually told she should become an English teacher because she wasn't going to be able to (laughs) survive (laughs) the royalties of her book, right? (laughs) So she just was interested in this thing and, and created it. And I, I feel like that's the skill that artists and, and creative people need is to just go after that thing that interests them.
2: I was going to ask for some words of wisdom, but I think uh,
1: <laughs> but I think that was that, pretty well, wisdomful. I needed, oh, just, that wasn't too rambly. Yeah. No, no, it was
0: amazing because we talk about, Matt and I talk about just the idea of play and exploration yep. being so limited for our kids today and not giving them the time you know, yep. they're not really given the time to build their own bow and arrow. I mean, or, <laughs> or
2: bamboo fort. Or yeah. Um, yeah. or
0: like my brother building a skate ramp in the backyard. Like that, yep. who, who, our kids today are so scheduled. And at school, they're so, you know, um, I've probably talked about this before, but I am a huge Dr. Seuss fan. I don't know if people know that, but Heavily influenced by the great Dr. Seuss. And I love the book that was published after his death called um, Hooray for Diffendorfer Day. And it's all this. The idea is that the teachers teach whatever is interesting to them and the kids. And then here comes the state test. And oh my gosh, the principal thinks they're gonna fail, fail, fail. And basically they're able to pass the test because everything that they've been learning in exploration all
2: goes together.
0: All goes together because they're problem solvers. They're yeah. able to solve problems. They're creative. Yeah. yeah. And I love the message in that book because to me it, it says exactly what I would want as if, if I were the principal of a school, I would want my teachers teaching kids how to think for themselves. Yeah. And so much of that boils down to exploration.
1: Yeah, it's exploration, and to just go take that like a little step further. I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's the ability to do a deep dive. Yes, right. So, right. I wrote a book in 2019. It took me about two years. I worked on it probably for almost three or four years. So, in just a funny story, I gave my first book to my tenth grade English teacher, mm-hmm. and in tenth grade, I almost failed tenth grade English <laughs> because I I couldn't finish my term paper. <laughs> and then my college, I went to Hartwick. They almost didn't let me graduate because I didn't fulfill some writing requirement. <laughs> so my ability to be a professional author was not founded in my ability, like my ELA classes. Right. I attribute it to my ability. I played soccer really seriously, and I was a very serious art student. And so when it came time to try and write a professional book, I Figured out what I needed to do to f- how to write a professional book. But I attribute that not to my like, that's why my ELA classes in a lot of ways. I attribute it to my ability to like be able to dive in and research and look at stuff and ask questions. And I think that if that skill to do a deep dive into something, whatever it is, no matter how mm-hmm. meaningless it is or how, how meaningless it appears to be, that skill to be able to dive into something deeply and have it consume all of your time and all of your energy. That is such an important skill because that is where, how long did the Wright brothers work on the airplane? How right. long did Thomas Edison work on the light bulb? How long did Steve Jobs work with computers? It wasn't because he developed these skills. It's because he was able to key in on something that just he was obsessive about. And I think when kids find things that are, that are obsessive about that, we should let them run with those things because that skill of being able to, deep, to do a deep dive and invest all of your energy and power in it, if you want to talk about standards, I think they hit tons of standards yes. during, right? during that two-month-long exploration, even if it doesn't amount to much. And I really believe that's how humans kind of operate and how, how they, they work. Wow.
0: <laughs> I'll let you ask the question now. <laughs> I get really excited during the podcast because I I have, I I have one of those ADD brains that just everything comes right out. So I'm going to let Matt ask. (laughs) I'm going to try.
2: No, I mean, that, that was kind of covered what, I mean, basically a lot of what we want to hear as well as just, it. yeah. I don't know if there's much much more to say to that, but I mean.
0: Well, any last words?
2: For Trevor. Oh, for, 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 trevor, me, well, yeah, for you
0: or trevor anyone <laughs> anyone i mean i just I, there's so much i could keep <sighs> bending your ear i'm i could do this all night long but what you know matt was going to ask earlier and then he got really excited about your answer but what would be something that you'd like to leave the listeners with
1: what would i like to leave the listeners with so Man. Ooh, that's a, that's kind of a tough question from an art education standpoint or just, um,
0: education, art, education, creativity.
2: I mean, maybe even just meaningful conversation. Where could someone start? How would they get started if they're like, well, I don't have time or I don't have this or that or this.
1: So where do they start? Right. So they start by buying buying (laughs) a (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so I mean, from that perspective, I think just having conversations with kids and having conversations with colleagues, I really think that one of the things that's underappreciated in education is just the power of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think we learn so much from talking to each other and talking with each other and providing space and room for everyone's voice to kind of be heard and be developed in our educational spaces, whatever that may be, is a really important thing. I think we, we don't teach, I don't think we teach, we should teach standards as much as hit standards. And I think we hit a lot of standards when we give everyone an opportunity to kind of share their voice, become part of the classroom community through conversation. I've learned so much talking to people that I've been connected with through Twitter, through Voxer, through all social media, way more than I ever could through just reading or just thinking that I know what I'm doing, (laughs) Um, right? And just kind of going about my business, but really talking to people and letting everyone share their voice, I think is is such a powerful thing. And that's not going to show up on a standardized test. That's not going to show up on a rubric, right? We're not going to teach that through putting goals or objectives on the board, but really trying to create and foster environments in our classrooms, whatever we teach where conversation is really rich. And I think it still all boils down to that human connection and our ability to speak and speak to each other and listen to each other is a really human trait. And I think that the more that we foster that uniqueness of the human species is a really a powerful thing. And that's where good education is found. That was that was, pretty, that, that was pretty that was beautiful. pretty profound. We yeah. that. <laughs> um <laughs> We can't thank you enough, Trevor,
2: for coming to talk with us and the friendship that we've created since 4 o'clock faculty. And, and I kind of forgot about that. I was glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um And, you know, we had a lot of fun. I wish we could have hung out a little bit more at the, at the
1: Blue Bunny. Absolutely. But, I totally agree. <laughs> but we will definitely have to do that again. It'll right?
0: happen again yeah, someday. We'll be
1: there again, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, yeah, thank you so much. And I really, I just have to say, I really love the work that you do for the art education community and the education community in general. I think what you're doing adds so much value to so many people's lives and so many students' lives. So thank you for doing that. And please keep it up. I really appreciate what you're doing. It's such wonderful work.
0: Well, thank thank you. you, Trevor. We appreciate
1: you as well. So, awesome. All right. All right. Well, have Until a good night. Next
3: time.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Right. Yep.
3: Thanks. All right. All right.
1: Bye. Bye. Yep. Bye-bye.
3: Heads up, 7-Up friends. If you've been enjoying these episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Creatively Connected Classroom podcast. You'll get a notification every time we release a new episode each and every week. And take a screenshot and put it on your favorite social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, you name it. Tag Education Closet and K12 Art Chat so we can reach out and say thanks. And if you really love us with all the feels, give us a review and or a rating over on iTunes. It helps others find the show and connect with our incredible community. Thanks for all your support.